the 2017 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Chargers select Mike Williams, wide receiver, Clemson. Welcome to the Views from the 601 Podcast. I am your host, Daryl Reese Jr., and it is finally draft week. It is, as I'm currently uploading this on a Wednesday night, tomorrow is draft day. It is finally draft week. I've been waiting the whole year for this. This is my favorite time of the year, counting the scouting, NFL scouting combine, the pre-draft prep, and the mock drafts. And just everything draft related, everything scouting related, prospect related. This is my favorite time of the year, NFL wise. And like I said before on the previous podcast, I finally, I finally put together a mock draft on my own. Took me a couple of weeks to do. There was a lot of changes, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of things I felt like teams might make trades. I didn't do projected trades, but we're gonna see some trades. We're gonna see some trades tomorrow. And I just been waiting so long for the draft, just exciting times, revitalized, just ready for the draft. And before we get into before we get into my mock draft that I have released, I do have a special guest coming on later in the show. I have my boy Trevor Ritchie. We work together here and we're at my school, we work together. And he's just a guy that I've been just been needing to have a conversation with about sports talk, about NBA talk, about football, the draft, just everything going on in the world around sports. And I'm going to get in that conversation a little bit later. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about playoff basketball. Now, I just seen, now I'm recording this on a Wednesday night. And I had to re-record some things, but I just seen LeBron hit a game winner on the Indiana Pacers. I can't remember. I think it was tied 95 to 95. Three seconds left. Surprised they didn't foul. And then LeBron hit a game winner. I at the time I wasn't looking. I was on my I was on my laptop at the time, and I had my TV on mute because I was finna record. But then again, I wanted to wait after the OKC game. So before I looked over, my TV was on mute, and I just seen the crowd going crazy. I seen LeBron standing on the press box and just hands in the air going crazy, yelling to the crowd. So I was like, something had to happen. He said, Hit a game winner. They showed the replay. Here's the game winner. I was like, GOAT, greatest player of all time. I mean, that's just how I see it. Next to Melo, but that's just how I see it. But back back to, like I said before, OKC. At the time when I was um having my conversation with my guest, he told me, Trevor told me about the OKC game, and I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, this game is probably over. This game is probably over. And then as we kept talking, then I was looking at the score. Back, I was going to come game. back. And then the third quarter hit. I didn't get a chance to watch the game because, like I said, I was busy. And it was on NBA TV. And as I was watching, keeping up with the score, as I was, as I was keeping up with the score online, I seen all the tweets. I seen everything about Westbrook going crazy in the third quarter. And next thing you know, it's a tie game. Five-point game, we up five, we up three, and just went crazy. Paul George and Westbrook went crazy. And as you know, we have another game to play in a couple of days. Now, I'm all for, like everyone knows I'm a Carmelo Anthony fan. I'm all for him staying on the bench if that helps the team win. But if it doesn't, I'd like to see him in the game. So if we're going on a run and he's not in the game, 
I'm all for keeping him on the bench. I'm all for that. And basically, my thing is with Carmelo, I don't know what's going on. I've just been waiting for playoff Melo for years now. He hasn't been in the playoffs, I would say, three to four years. I can't remember since he last went with the Knicks. But I've just been waiting on playoff Melo. And we will. Hopefully, we have this conversation next week. Hopefully, OKC will still be alive next week. I'm hoping we come back from a 3-1 lead. With three one deficit, I'm hoping we come back from that and just prove that we can play together. The big three, all those guys can play together. And like I said, have my mock draft releasing later. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna get into my mock draft in a couple minutes, and I will have my guests introduced after the mock draft, and we'll get in that conversation. So please enjoy this mock draft. With the first overall pick. In the 2018 draft, I have the Cleveland Browns selecting quarterback Sam Darnold. Why? Because it's kind of obvious they need a quarterback, but it's kind of skeptical. On a lot of reports are saying they may take Josh Allen. Recent reports are saying they may take Baker Mayfield, but I feel like they had their mind made up that they they would take Sam Darnold. That they would take Sam Darnold for weeks now. And with the second pick, I got the Giants taking running back Saquon Barkley. And a lot of question marks are surrounding what if the Browns take a running back? What if the Browns take Saquon Barkley first? And I feel like they can still get their I feel like they can still get their quarterback at four. At four if they do decide to take Saquon Barkley first. But my third pick, I got the Jets. Taking Josh Rosen, quarterback, UCLA. I feel like they are a much-needed team to get in the quarterback market. So that's that wouldn't be a surprise pick on my part. The Browns, again, at the fourth pick, I got them taking defensive end Bradley Chubb. Fifth pick, I, put, I just recently put question marks around in this pick, but I got Broncos taking Baker Mayfield. And that's subject to change, but... We're just going to ride with that right now. With the sixth pick, I got the Colts taking guard Quentin Nelson. The seventh pick, I got the Bucks taking a safety early, Darwin James. There's a lot of comparison of him and Mika Fitzpatrick on who's the best safety in the draft, but I feel like Darwin James is the clear-cut favorite safety in the draft, in my opinion. And the eighth pick, I got the Bears taking cornerback Denzel Ward. The ninth pick, I have the 49ers taking linebacker Raekwon Smith. Tenth pick, I have the Oakland Raiders taking linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. The eleventh pick, I have the Dolphins taking defensive tackle Vita Vey. The twelfth pick, I have the Bills taking quarterback Josh Allen. The thirteenth pick, I have the Redskins taking wide receiver Kevin Ridley. 14, I have Packers taking safety Mika Fitzpatrick. And the 15th pick, I have Cardinals. This may be surprising, but I have Cardinals taking quarterback Lamar Jackson. I feel that they are in need of a quarterback. Lamar Jackson can learn on the Sam Bradford. They can adjust to the system of Lamar Jackson in maybe two two years, maybe. With the 16th, with the 16th pick, I have the Ravens taking Offensive line, Mike McGlinchey. 
Now, this one has changed a lot. And with the 17th pick, I have the Chargers taking defensive tackle, Deron Payne. But it all depends on who is the best player available in which they need. And right now, looking at my mock draft, he is the best player available that they need. A lot of Chargers analysts and reporters have the Chargers taking Rayshon Evans out of Alabama, which I wouldn't be mad at. Basically, I wouldn't be mad at that. I wouldn't be mad at taking the best offensive line available. I wouldn't be mad at taking the best linebacker available, which is Rayshon Evans. So with the 18th pick, I have the Seahawks taking defensive end Marcus Davenport. With the 19th pick, I have the Cowboys taking wide receiver Courtney Sutton. With the 20th pick, I have the Lions taking defensive end Harold Landry. With the 21st pick, I have the Bengals taking Frank Ragnall. With the 22nd pick, I have the Colts taking offensive tackle Isaiah Wayne. With the 23rd pick, I have the Pats taking offensive tackle Colton Miller. With the 24th pick, I have the Panthers taking cornerback Jareer Alexander. With the 25th pick, I have the Titans taking center James Daniels. And with the 26th pick, I have the Titans, well, I have the Falcons taking tight end Hayden Hurst. And with the 27th pick, I have the Saints taking DJ Moore. Now, that's a lot of reports that I've been hearing. I don't think, I wouldn't say they're in the need for a wide receiver, so that's subject to change, too. With the 28th pick, I have the Steelers taking Rayshon Evans. The 29th pick, I have the Jags taking guard Willie Hernandez. With the 30th pick, I have the Vikings taking defensive lineman Maurice Hurst. With the 31st pick, I have the Patriots taking defensive end Sam Hubbard. And the last pick in the draft, I have the Eagles taking Darius Geis. I feel that they are in need of running back. But, yeah, that's my first mock draft that I have ever released, that I ever made. And it took a lot of thought into it, judging by analysts and what's how I feel and the needed teams. And basically a lot of teams towards the end are going based on the best player available. And basically, <clears throat> basically, I want to continue to do this. I want to continue to put another mock draft out next year because I kind of have fun with this one. And it's always fun just to get to know the players, getting getting to know what these teams need, getting to know like like a GM mode. It puts me in GM mode on who I who like what are our need, what are our wants. Because as a GM, you should have that mindset. I want to draft the best player available, but you should also have that mindset that what are our needs, what are our biggest needs, and what are our least basically what are our biggest needs that we need to address right now but right now i want to go into my conversation and my guest that i had with a good friend of mine trevor richard we go to school together we work together and he's a guy who knows his stuff he knows his sports and basically i just been needing someone to talk to about sports strictly about sports the ins and outs and what's been going on and i'm gonna let him introduce himself and tell you what he does 
and things like that. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I have my good friend Trevor Ritchie on the line. So tell the people what you do and your contributions to the Pelicans. Well, man, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, I cover a little prep sports in the Hattiesburg area. Uh, with the Hattiesburg American, I also cover a lot of Southern Miss athletics. I, in fact, all of Southern Miss athletics uh, at the university, and as well as writing for SB Nations, the Bird Rights blog, which covers the New Orleans Pelicans. Even though I I major in journalism right now at Southern Miss, uh, I make my way down to New Orleans as much as possible to try to cover the Pelicans right now uh, during a playoff run. All right, so you was at the game. You was at game four, right? Yeah, I was at game three and four. Okay, so tell the people that atmosphere of game three and then game four. Well, I felt like actually game three in the Smoothie King Center was a little more energetic than game four, surprisingly. Um, The first time the team had had a home playoff game in in three years. Uh, Ultimately, the first time the AD had won a playoff game at home. Um, Not to say that there wasn't energy in the crowd in game four, but it was more of a it seemed like a business-type scenario game four to just kind of get it done. There was a little uh, skepticism in the arena that the, the Pelicans actually maybe couldn't get it done, um, but ultimately was a sweep and was, was a really uh, fun environment to be a part of, honestly. All right, so I was watching the games, and like me personally, I had Blazers in maybe six, maybe seven. Well, I had yeah. Blazers in six. So I was just thinking, like, okay, the Pelicans are what out. Marcus Cousins, and I was just thinking, like, how would they play without him? So, do you think this was just good Pelicans or just bad Blazers? I think uh, I'm going to give the Pelicans credit from the standpoint. I think the most critical thing in this series was the defensive game plan. That's credit to assistant coach Darren Ehrman. But it was a system in which they they trapped uh, Damian. Damian Lillard into the offense and literally for four games prevented a, a superstar in Damian from from really having any kind of momentum or rhythm, and, and that was the difference. CJ finally uh, broke. He had a good series, broke three in games three and four, but for the most part, New Orleans did a very good job of keeping their their All Star backcourt in check, and that was really the difference. Okay, so. I'm looking at the stats right now. In game four, you have Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis both going for over 40 points and shooting exactly. over 60%. That's the first time that's been done in the in the modern era uh, since, obviously, LeBron and Kyrie in the finals a couple of years ago. Before that, it's been a really long time. Um, you don't see teammates drop 40-plus yeah. in the playoffs together. I mean, that was a, a really incredible feat. Honestly, I, I don't know... I don't know how many points AD and Drew have to score on a given night to get attention from the national media scene, but it looks like we're going to end up finding out because I, I, I don't know of a player in the NBA that's as good both ways as Drew Holiday is that can drop 41 points in a playoff game and get, honestly, absolutely no attention for it. Absolutely. So let's talk about playoff Rondo. Let's talk about his contribution to the team lately. I think that the the biggest thing with Rondo, at least that I've picked up lately from talking to him, is that he legitimately believes that this Pelicans team can win an NBA championship. Um, At least he thought so with with DeMarcus Cousins. He's honest when he says that he felt like 
when he was joining this team that he was joining the best big three in basketball, being Drew Holiday, AD, and DeMarcus Cousins. Um, you can disagree with that, but he legitimately believes that that's what he walked into. Um, and he said it after the sweep that he didn't come to New Orleans to win a first-round playoff series. He came to New Orleans to win a championship. And just to have someone uh, that's a veteran have that mindset and instilling that into a Pelicans locker room for the first time in a long time, if ever, um, that's that's a huge impact, especially when him coming in as the point guard, taking away the, the ball handling responsibilities from Drew Holiday, really did the offense a lot of good. Uh, honestly, playing a little better since Boogie left, not to say that they're better without him, but that's just the case. That the, the fit uh, worked at the right time for the Pelicans. And obviously, anytime you have a point guard, like I keep saying, that's a veteran that can give you 15 assists on any given night, really can open up your offense. Absolutely. So do you see the Pelicans potentially re-signing DeMarcus Cousins in the future? I think they will. Actually, Zach Lowe of ESPN just wrote an article on that. It's a situation that, that has a lot of buzz around New Orleans now. The initial indication was that the Pelicans would offer a four- or five-year max deal. Um, but then DeMarcus got injured, and that, those mm -hmm. notions are, are changing a bit. Now that the Pelicans have leverage in two different ways, one, DeMarcus, you're coming off of a typically career-altering injury, and two, we won without you. We swept the Blazers, and you didn't play. So they have leverage on both sides. Not to not re-sign Boogie, because I don't think that's, that's the right decision, because the, the Pelicans don't re-sign him or sign and trade him, which I don't know what that market looks like. Um, they, they can't get anything back for them. They don't have the cap space. Um, the lucky thing for New Orleans is there's not a huge market of teams this offseason that are going to look to boogie and offer that four- or five-year max just because there's way too much risk involved. I think the best thing for the Pelicans to do is sign him to a two-year max. Um, that way you line him up with Anthony Davis's contract, and you decide within the next two years if you want to move on with this Twin Towers plan or if you want to – change the, the scheme for the future. Absolutely. Maybe give them a player option. For the third year. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So do you – the next opponent is the Warriors, right? Yes. So do you see this team challenging the Warriors with or without Curry? Do you see this team, like, giving them a run for their money next round? Well, I'll say without Curry, definitely. I see the Pelicans giving uh, the Warriors a run for their money. I think I, I, I put a lot of weight on Drew Holiday's ability to defend and honestly probably nearly shut down one of the two guards, either be Clay or Steph Curry. Um, I don't think that Draymond can guard Anthony Davis as much as we tout Draymond Green as one of the top defenders in this league. Anthony Davis is just frankly a mismatch. Absolutely. And... You see at times, even though the Spurs only won one game, they were competitive at times. Uh, they had a lot of success with high-low basketball, uh, utilizing their size when it came to LaMarcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol. And I really feel like that's something the Pelicans can amplify with Anthony Davis and Nikola Mirotic. Uh, and that's why I think they can put up some trouble. I think, the, I think the Warriors, and this is my prediction, I don't know if I've said it on my radio show or at the Bird Rights or anything like that yet, but I, I definitely am going the Warriors, and I say six games. So I think the Pelicans get at least two. But I'll say this, if the series goes to seven games, 
games. I'll go out of my zone, and I'll favor the Pelicans in Game 7. I think that's a, a career-defining, a legacy-defining moment if AD can somehow go seven games against the Warriors. And, and I guess my chips would be in his corner uh, from the standpoint of I think he would be able to have an otherworldly game. So I'll say Warriors in six, but a Game 7 could get very interesting. Okay, so do you see Curry returning Game 1, maybe Game 2? Do you see him coming back? My indication right now, since normally what what my understanding was was that the series would start Sunday or later. Uh, and actually the series is starting Saturday earlier than most believe was in play because the Warriors lost a game. They didn't Had they swept, everyone knew it would start Saturday. But the fact that they lost an extra game, some people thought it would start later. Um, but it, it starts Saturday, which means the, the sooner the series starts, the less time Curry has to recover. Um, my thought process, and this is just opinion, not much source behind it, um, that I would probably look for him back around game three or four. Um, if I'm the Warriors, to be honest, I'm not playing him until I feel like I need to. If I lose the first game, I'll see if he comes can come back for game two. If I win the first game, I see what happens in game two. Um, if there's no reason to bring him back, you're facing the Pelicans, then don't. If the Pelicans give you, give you trouble, then obviously you need to work with that situation a little bit. But right now, I, I would think that if I'm saying Warriors and six, I would probably say that the, the Pelicans and Warriors split the first two games, which means that it would probably be necessary for the Warriors to play Curry in game three. That's my that's my thought process. Absolutely. So I don't know if you heard this rumbles, but do you fall, do you think that Golden State lost to the Spurs on not necessarily on purpose, but to give Curry more time? Have you heard anything about that? Uh, I I doubt it. Um, I think honestly, you can go into any game and and if you have any part of your mind that even is kind of wishing, hey man, if we lost, you know. You're kind of in a different mindset, and you're you're playing the game of basketball a different way. But I think Clay put it honestly. It's like you know we're preparing to play basketball without him because we have to. So I don't think uh, because honestly, you never know. You never know if a guy, especially as injury prone as Steph Curry has been over the years, that he could come back and immediately re-injure. I mean, that's what happened. He had an injury, came back, got injured again, yeah. uh, and, and and if that situation happens again, you have to be ready for it. So so I would I would really hope that that wasn't the case, and I doubt it is, just because you know of, of that fact that they're they're going to have to be ready with or without Curry because you never know what can hand what what can happen in those types of situations okay i want to transfer to another topic so like we talked about this earlier but i want to hear your opinion on it but we didn't give a definite answer for it so who is your nba rookie of the year and why well to me it's got to be ben simmons uh I think that I think that Donovan Mitchell, and I'm kind of backhanding from the start, but I, I think that Donovan Mitchell had a great season. I think he revitalized a franchise that didn't have much hope after losing Gordon Hayward. Um, he's doing things that a lot, a lot of rookies haven't done, but so are different rookies across a number of different teams right now. Uh, I think what it boils down to me, uh, too, for me, is that you know at the end of the day, which prospect do you want more? And and based off this season, the answer is definitively Ben Simmons. Um, 
yes, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, the one of the few things that you can say he has the hedge on Simmons is scoring, but Simmons isn't going to make his name as a scorer. As you've heard other people make the, make the point that, that Magic Johnson only averaged 19 points for his career. And, and made the type of impact that he made. Um, ben Simmons won more games, was a higher seed, um, less likely to do so probably honestly than, than the Utah Jazz. A lot of people hadn't even bought into the 76ers making the playoffs. And then again, I didn't think Utah was going to make the playoffs either. Um, I just think that, that Ben Simmons does more across the board, and I just take into account less – uh, the scoring ability, I also think that, that Ben Simmons is an elite defender, a part of his game that a lot of people don't give credit to. Um, I just don't think that Donovan Mitchell did enough to be able to pass Ben Simmons when it's when it's clear that, that Ben Simmons is a prospect that, that people would rather have. No cre- discredit to Donovan Mitchell because I honestly love the kid and think he's going to be a great basketball player. It's just that if I had a vote, that's why it would be for Ben Simmons. You know, I – I'm not gonna lie, I'm surprised by that because I I thought you were heading in and towards Donovan Mitchell. That's what I thought. Really? Absolutely. I thought because I was like, you talked about Donovan Mitchell like a couple of times on your Twitter. So I was thinking, what he's done. I know they do the votes before the playoffs, right? Yeah. Okay, so maybe if they would have did it during the playoffs, maybe they would have. I don't know. I mean, to your point, man. What I said it on Twitter to clarify for the listeners is that. I mean, it's absolutely amazing to me that they, they're going to play. They're playing right now as we're talking, I, I assume, I think, um, that this kid is taking over over a series against the Thunder. Absolutely. Has two, maybe three Hall of Famers on the floor. Um, Russell Westbrook being a 10-year veteran. And he's absolutely, one, outplaying them and two, outclassing them um, in his first year in the league. It, it's incredible. and. Not to take away from it, I just also I just don't think on paper or the eye test. I don't think either says enough. Any I don't think anything indicates for me to give him the nudge over Ben Simmons, but he's a, a definitive second, and Absolutely. it's not close. His impact on the court, uh, you know, compared to a lot of players that you would have expected to come in and make a run for that, whether it be Lonzo Ball or Jason Tatum, any of these different guys, and it ended up being Donovan Mitchell. Uh, honestly, what a steal for the Utah Jazz. Absolutely. My pick was Ben Simmons because his all-around game. And I often compare him to a young LeBron. And if you look at it now, I'm, look, I'm looking at it now for a postseason. Right now he's averaging 18, 10, and 9. That's almost a triple-double as a rookie. And a lot of people can, like, contest to, like, he was injured his first year. He's not really a rookie, but those are NBA rules, so he's a, officially a rookie. So And see, and to be honest with you, that's lame. If your argument is that Ben Simmons isn't a rookie, I can't – I can't – I'll give you the credit. Exactly. It, it, it's, it is an advantage to sit around the NBA for a year and just learn. It's kind of like having an extra year, as Donovan Mitchell put it, to study for the test. But rules are rules. That's the way that that the award is set up, and that's the way that you vote and choose the award um, based off the fact that Ben Simmons would be considered a rookie. So I I can't give the vote to Donovan Mitchell as much as I agree with that argument because that's just not the way it works. Exactly. And right now, I feel like if Ben Simmons does develop a jump shot, because I'm looking at it right now, he shot 0% from And that's a big thing. Exactly. He shot 0% from three, 
in the postseason and zero percent from the three as a career. His first season. But I could counter with this: how how many players have even just one year in the league been that blatantly bad in, in one area of their basketball game, but yet still be so dominant? It's impressive that that people. You know, teams know essentially give him space, he'll shoot. But hey, wait, you can't give him space because his first step is so quick that he can get into those driving lanes. Once you create driving lanes, he therefore has passing lanes, and then he's opened this game up. So you can't, you can't disrespect him either. I mean, he can knock down a solid mid range, but if you give him that room, he's just got more space to to view the court, and it opens up his vision. So it's really tough. But, you know, it's it's cool to see a player that, that is so bad in one area. Because, I mean, we've seen prospects come out that couldn't jump shoot before. Um, whether You know, similar, whether it be uh, Blake Griffin, among other people. Exactly. And Ben Simmons has been a different level of, of dominant. And you can say that it's because he plays with a talent like Embiid so early. But... I mean, he's doing what he's doing, I, I, and I'm not huge on Embiid, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> but it, but it, but it's impressive. Exactly. But I feel like in the next maybe three to four years, I feel like Ben Simmons will take over the league. I don't know, take over the league, because the only thing that that I have an issue with that is, you know, three four years from now, you're looking at Anthony Davis is only twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, um, the reason yeah. I said that I'm not big on Embiid is because I don't think there's anything that Embiid is doing right now that Anthony Davis hasn't done for the last six years and has gotten no credit for. Um, also, Giannis, you look at Giannis, will only be, what, 26, 27 in three or four years. I mean, you know, people people are so quick to hand over, you know, the crown yeah. from from LeBron James, and we have no idea who that player There's a multitude of players. All I can say is the NBA is in good hands because exactly. there's a multitude of different players that could take that crown. It could be it could uh, it could be James Harden. I mean, it could be a number of different players. We don't know, and, and honestly, we're not going to know until the day that you know LeBron James just probably doesn't show up to work because he's going to make an impact on the basketball court until he retires. Exactly. And now that you mention LeBron, like in my opinion, like. For our generation, we wasn't around to see the Jordans. We wasn't around to see the Magics, yeah. the Kareems, and the Young Shacks. We wasn't around to see that. But we grew up watching LeBron and a little bit of Kobe, Tim Duncan, a little bit of Shaq. So where do you rank? Now that you mentioned LeBron, where do you rank LeBron all time? It's. I mean, for me, honestly, it's such a weak out. But but it's it's like a one A one B type thing. It's it, it's a conversation where unless you're incredibly biased one way or another, you either feel bad about knocking Jordan down to two, or you feel bad about you know putting LeBron there. I mean, at the end of the day, we understand how prolific of a scorer and a winner uh, Michael Jordan was, exactly. even though he had his flaws. But you also can't discredit LeBron James' right. uh, longevity, his durability, as well as the the level of competition. I mean, I'm sorry, but but LeBron never had Jeff Hornacek guarding him in the finals. He was playing against Kawhi Leonard. He was playing against Kevin Durant. He was playing against, I mean, a, a, a multitude of dynasties honestly, are the types of teams that he's had to go through in the playoffs. And maybe he hasn't won as much, but he's filled up the stat sheet and affected the game of basketball so many different ways. That And the thing is, is that there's only you know five or six different ways 
that you can affect a basketball game. There's points, rebounds, assists, defense, and leadership. And LeBron James dominates all of those on every team that he goes to all the time. And you can't say the same for Jordan. Um, You know, it's hard to differentiate between the two just because they are so different. So for me, it's hard because it's it's honestly a 1A, 1B type of conversation. Exactly. And I feel like it's going to be a conversation that we have basically forever because a lot of people – Basically, their only argument when they lead towards Jordans is what? They're undefeated in the finals. That is the argument they often lead to. And they say, oh, LeBron, 3-5 and five in the finals. And what, Jordan, 6-0? and oh? Yep. And that's basically the argument that they have. But at the same time, you got to think, those are two different generations. Oh, yeah, and, and my thing is is that LeBron still has a chance at the legacy. If people think that LeBron has to get seven championships to be the greatest of all time, it's just not true. I felt like had he beat that Warriors team last year, um, he would then have been the GOAT. I feel like exactly. if LeBron James goes to the Western Conference and wins a championship, he will be the GOAT. My theory is is that if you go to two different teams in the East and win championships, also win a championship in a different con. A conference in the West as the best player on the team. I mean, there's there's no way I can dispute that. I think that's his one last legacy pull. He can either ride his career out in Cleveland and hope that Cleveland can maybe trade that top five pick for a superstar, whether it be Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, maybe make a move to make LeBron James stay. Other than that, if you're talking legacy, maybe the Lakers with cap room is a spot where you can compete for a championship, but more importantly, Houston where you have Chris Paul and you have James Harden, you can let Capella walk, you can get rid of Ryan Anderson, create some cap room, and LeBron James can honestly still be the best player on that team. Him and Harden can have a power struggle for that, but I think the fit would work. And that that would be LeBron's last chance at going and assuming the role of GOAT or at least making a stronger argument for it. Other than that, it's, it's pretty much a closed case, and there's not – an answer that we can point to that's right. And, and like you said, you're absolutely correct that this is a conversation we're going to have um, for the rest of time unless unless something in LeBron James's career resume changes significantly anytime soon. Exactly. So I feel like, well, I'm going to ask you, if you was in LeBron's shoes, what do you feel would be the best position for you next year? Well, I don't feel like going and playing with, with – uh, the Lakers would be great because I think that uh, LeBron James knows he would demand the ball in his hands a lot more and would take that away from Lonzo as much as they would fit. They have a young budding scorer in Brandon Ingram, um, a guy in Kyle Kuzma who's really talented. How much does LeBron James stunt that growth? I'm not sure how much L.A. would buy into that market. I mean, everybody loves LeBron, jersey sales, you know, TV ratings, everything. But at the same time, the, with the Lakers having two max salary cap space spots, then, I mean, you, you, you have to be a little smarter with that because when you have two max spots, that you know that's the opportunity to build a championship team. Um, I think that Philadelphia is an exciting option, but you're talking about a guy in Ben Simmons who has a very similar style of play exactly. and a big in Joel Embiid who doesn't play every night. He can't 
play every night and is injury prone. Um, I think the Cavaliers is alarming because as we're seeing right now, um, going back to them, the, the roster just isn't there and they, they can't play the style, the, the style of basketball that LeBron needs to play to be successful. And he's having to carry the team. I think unless they trade and make a trade for a superstar, um, using that draft pick, I don't think there's anything enough that would entice him to come back, especially not if he, he uh, you know, loses in the playoffs prior to the finals. Um, so I think the best fit and the best option for him, legacy-wise and basketball-wise, would be Houston. It fits well. He knows CP3. He can play well in elite score and Harden. They can give the Warriors a run for their money. They're going to demolish anyone. Maybe the Celtics put up a little bit of a fight, but I don't think it's close when you have CP3, Harden, and LeBron. And I think, like I said earlier, that's that's his last legacy pool. So I really like LeBron to Houston. Um, I'm, I'm not real confident that that'll happen. I don't think that you can have any confidence in uh, – you know, have any opinion on where you think LeBron James is going to go. We saw how flabbergasted we were the last time that happened. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, I'll hold, I'll hold my guarantees. But, but I think the, the best thing for the NBA and the best thing for LeBron's legacy would, would be a, mute, a move to Houston. You know, that sounds exactly like, like what would I would choose because it all depends on what he does this year and if he wins the finals or not. I don't think he is. I mean, I don't think that the Cavs are going to have the ability to beat either the Rockets or the Warriors in the finals. We'll see. But I just think one of those two are ultimately, you know, in a race with each other. And, and I'll raise this up, this point to you and, and just see see what you think about it. I've talked about it. haven't talked about it on my radio show yet, but I'm looking forward to getting to, to this segment. I think it would be great for the NBA to reseed the conference finals and the aspect of once you get the final four teams, two from the East and two from the West, if the two best teams are facing in, in, in the same conference, you reseed. So let's say it's the, the Warriors, Rockets, Cavs, and Toronto. Um, the Rockets would play the Cavs and the Warriors would play Toronto and the winner of those two te- uh, series would play in the finals. I think that ensures that you always get the two best teams and it would give the NBA the ideal finals matchup, which this year would honestly be Houston versus Golden State because those are the two best teams. Now, I, I don't mean to discredit LeBron at the level that I just did, but I, I don't think that that roster is, is deep enough to compete with either of those two teams. Okay, that sounds very interesting because you can get a Houston versus Golden State in the finals. And that's what – but at the same time, what will bring the views is LeBron in another, in another finals. Oh, that's true. That is also true. And yeah. It's going to be a tough road for him to get there. It's not going to be uh, – he's not the meal ticket that, that he once was just because that that roster isn't working. He ha- he's had to uh, deal with a lot this season. And exactly. To be all, where he's at, all 82 games this year. All 82 games, and he's having to make buzzer beaters with a tied series against the Indiana Pacers in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not the brightest day of his career, but um, I mean, he's he's fighting and he's uh he's grinding from from the ground up. I mean, he's buried alive right now, and he's trying to dig his way through the playoffs. And uh, we'll see if he can do it. I mean, he's putting the entire responsibility load on his back and uh, the entire NBA world is watching to see how long he can carry it. Absolutely. So I don't want to put Boston in this conversation, even though they're up 3-2 on Milwaukee, but who do you see pose a threat 
to LeBron right now? Do you see Philly? Do you see Toronto? Who do you see in Referring the East right to now? this year or, or in the future? This year. But this this year, um, I think I think my two scariest matchups for the for the Cavs is going to be the the Toronto series, which will, if I'm not mistaken, will be the next series in the second round, and then more than likely, I would assume that they're going to face the 76ers if they advance from that series in the conference finals. Those are two really tough matchups and really tough series when you're on your way to the finals, knowing that you're going to have to face probably either the Rockets or the Warriors. I mean, those, those are, those are tough, tough matchups. you got DeRozan. Um, how do you handle him defensively with Lowry, uh, a size disadvantage with Valanchunas and, and Serge Ibaka. Then you look at the 76ers, you know, obviously Embiid is an issue at all times. Uh, Ben Simmons has shown as much as LeBron James can do defensively, he can still kind of get his way at times um, on the court. Those those are really fun series. I mean, that's that's going to drive the ratings up. But those are the two matchups that he's more than likely going to have to face on his road to the finals. And, and they, w- with the way that they've played against Indiana, it's definitely concerning, and, and it's something to think about when it comes to them playing either the Raptors or the 76ers. That's what I was thinking also, because you was right. If um Cleveland does advance and Toronto does advance, they will play each other next round. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the NFL draft, which is tomorrow, because I, I will release this podcast hours before the draft, and I'm going to have my mock draft already released. But my guy Trevor, he's a Jets fan, and everybody knows I'm a Chargers fan. So, Trevor, tell the guys, tell the listeners, who do you think – your Jets will take, and who do you want them to take, and why? Well, I'll work. I'll, I'll work from the top, top down. I think that in my thought process, I'm buying the reports right now, and it doesn't make a difference whether they take Donald or whoever. But I, I think I'm legitimately buying the report that the Browns are going to take either Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen. I think that's their decision. I think those are the two guys that they like. I think they've cooled off of Darnold. They'll take one of the two. I would assume that New York would either take Sam Darnold or uh, Saquon Barkley, maybe Quentin Nelson at two. Um, So that would leave the Jets with obviously Josh Rosen. I think uh, that's ultimately who they will pick. I would rather have Darnold if the Browns somehow do not draft Darnold. I will probably be on the edge of my seat hoping and praying that the Giants take either Saquon Barkley or Quentin Nelson because I think that Sam Darnold is is – I, I think the, the label that I'm going to put on him is he's going to be what we thought Andrew Luck was going to be um, without the injuries. And that's that's my knock on Josh Rosen, the durability. So so to answer your question, who I think they'll take and who will fall there, probably Josh Rosen. I don't see the Giants passing up on the ability uh, to draft a guy like Donald. If they do, thank you um, sincerely to whoever runs that organization. Um <laughs> that you allow the Jets to somehow snag the best quarterback in the draft. But uh, that's what I think is going to happen. Okay. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at my mock draft right now, and I have Josh Rosen going to the Jets. Yep. That, I mean, that's the most popular pick right now. You know you know that they're going to take a quarterback. If the Giants somehow take Josh Rosen, which I doubt they will, then the Jets um, like I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they took Baker Mayfield. That's that's one thing that, that could surprise it. Let's say the Browns uh, take Josh Allen. 
the Giants take Sam Darnold. Then the Jets have to pick pick between Mayfield and Rosen. I would still give the edge to Rosen, but there's a lot of teams that, that like what they see in, in Baker Mayfield. The Jets being one reportedly, now the Browns. Um, we'll see. I, I mean, I definitely think something's interesting. Something interesting is going to happen. Uh, we saw it last year with the with the Bears trading up to get Trubisky Absolutely. and, you know, the Chiefs trading up to get Mahomes. I mean, there's going to be a scramble. There's going to be moves made. Uh, it's not going to play out the way that we thought. If you remember last year, it was like three receivers that went in the top ten, and that just doesn't happen. Please don't and remind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it just doesn't happen, and crazy things happen. And I don't think, as much as we think we pin this down in the mock draft, I know they're often not accurate anyways, but I just think that the the NFL is changing and teams are drafting in a different way. The, the way that Bill Belichick put it is, is why drafts for need? Why should I do that? I, I want to pick a guy that I feel like has first round talent, you know, whatever round I'm drafting in, I want to feel like he has that level talent. And I want to know that he's a good football player. I don't care what position he plays. I don't care if it's a backup quarterback, a linebacker, if he can't come and fit and play on my team, why would I draft for need? Best player that's, available. That's not the most important thing. Yes, if your if your largest need is a cornerback, it means you need to draft them. It doesn't mean you have to draft the best one in the first round. You can find a guy in the third round that fits your scheme and you think is your type of guy, and and that's the way that Bill Belichick does it. Uh, I know that a guy like John Gruden does that, um, but that's the way. And, and so the things that we're thinking from our end might be in a completely different mindset than, than what the people running it are. And it's just going to – it makes it fun to watch, honestly. That's that's the part that's interesting uh, and intriguing about the NFL draft. Absolutely, because it's basically like counting the the scouting combine. This is my favorite time of the year. Like not even yeah. the, the actual season. Like I'm always ready for the season, but the off season, building the team, building the roster, getting these players together – see what they can do, perform on the field in front of these scouts. Those are my favorite. That is my favorite thing to watch. Yeah. And like I said, I have Josh Rosen from UCLA going to your Jets because who are who are the other quarterbacks on the roster? I can't. Is it Bryce Petty? Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg, um, Teddy Bridgewater, and Josh McCown. Okay. Now, I tweeted this, I would say, a couple months back. I did see back. that. I did see that. You said about the um, Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah. Yeah, I tweeted that because I it felt like. Fit. It was a smart contract. It was a good move. I'm not sure if he'll play if the, if the Jets get their hand on Donald or Rosen. Yeah. But it was worth it was worth the risk. I mean. Yeah. And that's one Teddy term. Was a very good football player. Yeah, absolutely. That's one term that I do not. It's a term that I do not like, and that's bridge quarterback. I feel like I, that, that term is just coming up quick. Like, like, not quick, but recently. Like, I haven't heard that term before. Since like this year, that's fair. And like the Browns, who did the Browns just quarterback? They just got a quarterback recently. I can't remember. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Okay, that's another guy they say is a bridge quarterback. And then Sam Bradford, he went to the Cardinals. Bridge quarterback. And I Case, see Case Keenum is like a uh, That's what AJ McCarron's doing in Buffalo. For the Broncos, exactly. And they say all those guys are bridge quarterback. Me personally, like I don't believe in Alabama quarterbacks, but I do like AJ McCarron. But I do see the Cardinals trading up. I see the Cardinals trading up to get a quarterback. I do, I, I agree with with both of the things you said. Um, 
I think I think bridge quarterbacks depends on who you draft. I mean, I mean, if you draft a guy that you know isn't ready but you like, then yeah. But I mean, if you draft a guy like Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold and he comes into training camp and you think he can play, let him play. I mean, I think part of it, you know, you can learn a lot in your first year, but you can learn a lot more on the field. Um, something that Jared Goff missed out on and might be a step behind because of it. And when you, when you feed a guy's head so much with you're not ready at some point, then he, you know, if he buys into it, he's not going to be ready anymore. And that can, the, the Jared, not to cut you off, but the Jared Goff part can go with the coaching as well. Like that's how, exactly. And it's, um, it's a factor of a lot of things, but it depends on your evaluation. I think it's it's smart at times to, to make a rookie quarterback sit behind a veteran, and I think there's other situations where where they should play. Absolutely. So I got my charges at 17, taking Deron Payne from Alabama. That's a good pick. I The reason I, I have Deron Payne, the reason I have Deron Payne going because I don't see Vita Vey falling. Understandably. Because I follow a lot of Chargers insiders, and they say the Chargers will either take a safety or a defensive tackle, and I don't see Mika. I don't. I don't see Mika Fitzpatrick or Derwin James falling to seventeen. Derwin James could fall to seventeen, but doubtful. Yeah, but if he does fall to seventeen, I would take him in a heartbeat, just like that. I gotta take him. Because even though he had a second second half of the season slump at Florida State, and he didn't play against Southern Miss. He didn't play in that bowl game. So I feel like if he do fall, I would take him. So tell me your mock draft. Who do you have one and two? Can you, can you say it on the podcast or no? Yeah, because I'm going to have um, the mock draft already released out. Okay, cool. So my number one, I got Browns taking Sam Donald. I feel you. I, I mean, I, I'm not buying it, man. Like, I'm not buying into it. We'll see, and we'll probably look back on this and laugh depending on what happens. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm really buying into the, that the Browns are either going to take Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield, number one. I think they're really going to start the draft off with with a surprise. Uh, it, it just feels like those are the those are the most two Brown decisions you can make. I mean, I mean, first of all, there's two things that that are flashbacks from the past that bother the Browns. The fact that they didn't try to draft Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz absolutely. And that's what they're trying to make up for in Josh Allen. And they're upset that they didn't, they weren't able to get what they thought they would get out of Johnny Manziel four years ago. And now that's Baker Mayfield. Direct comparisons to two quarterbacks that they wish they had and wish had panned out for them. And two type picks that make up for it. And it just makes sense to me. Um, and it seems like what, what people are saying is that they have cooled off of Sam Darnold, that they don't have really any idea who their guy is. And, and I think they're just going to come down to, to why make a pick that, you know, make sure that we make a pick that we're 100% in on. And I think the only way that they can do that is if they, they go with their heart and pick either Allen or Mayfield. This all might be a smoke screen that I'm buying into and completely fooled by, but at the same time, uh, I, I have reasons to think that it's viable. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was thinking, like, my second pick, I got Giants taking Saquon Barkley, but. I like that. But if the Browns 
fall in love with Saquon Barkley and they feel like the Giants would take him? How do you feel about the Browns taking Saquon Barkley first and getting their quarterback at four? Well, well, I love it because you guarantee you're guaranteed to get one of the quarterback, and you're probably guaranteed to one of those quarterbacks to be left to be either Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Because you would assume that at two, the Giants take Darnold. Then you would assume at three, the Jets would either take Rosen or Mayfield. So you're either going to get Allen, Allen or Rosen. Absolutely. So the Browns could potentially get their potentially get their running back and get the quarterback that they wanted at four. I think I think that's incredibly smart. Um, that's also a risk. I, it's a risk. It is a risk, and they could still, if the Giants take a quarterback or if the Giants take Quentin Nelson or Bradley Chubb, the the Browns could still get Saquon Barkley at four. So that might be, let's make sure we go ahead and get the quarterback that we're 100% in on. Because if, if you take that chance at one, then you're taking the chance that the Jets take Baker Mayfield. And you don't want to do that if he's your guy. Go ahead and lock up your franchise at one and then and let's see what happens. Because there's a lot of quality players that you could use. You could get Bradley Chubb at four. You could get Saquon Barkley if he's there at four. You could pick another quarterback at four if your other guy was still there. Um, there's a lot of options, so I doubt that that's what's going to happen. But I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at them. I love Saquon Barkley as a as a prospect. I think he has the ability um, to come in and change a franchise if he is in the right fit. Absolutely. And at four, I have the Browns taking Bradley Chubb, defensive end. I like it. It's doubtful, but I like it. I, I think that's a smart pick. Um, because it gives you exactly what you need to be a good team in the NFL, an elite pass rush. Um, maybe not right away, but with Miles Garrett and Bradley Chubb growing together, it, it could be that, that level of talent. Um, but I think that there's too much going on in the Browns' head, whether it be trying to get Saquon to fall there, like I said, maybe taking a second quarterback, um, I have no idea. That that's why, like we were saying earlier, it's it's going to be so interesting and fun to Exciting, to watch and see absolutely. and find out. Because there, the, I mean, we have no idea. Absolutely, and I'm kind of skeptical about this pick with the Broncos pick because I feel like John Elway. You never know with him, so he might end up trading this pick. Because I I heard recent reports that he is open to trading it, but if he doesn't trade it, I got Broncos Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I, I doubt that the Broncos will take a take a quarterback if there's an option on the board, whether it be Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Could you turn that down to take a quarterback when you're comfortable right now with Case Keenum? When when you don't if you don't really see a guy that you like and you you say we'll wait until a later round or we'll wait until another draft to try to address this quarterback issue. Um, but it, it could happen. Could very well happen. Absolutely, because I got to put question marks behind that one. I, I had Baker Mayfield at one point going to the Broncos in, in one of my mock drafts that I did on, on my radio show. So I, I, I understand the thought process. Because yeah. I know Mike Mayall, he released a, his draft, his final mock draft today. I really didn't get a chance to look at it too much. But he did have Sam Darnold going one, I think. Yeah. But other than that, I got Colts taking Quinn Nelson. It's potentially the best offensive lineman in the draft. And I don't I see I see Ray 
Well, you know about Raekwon Smith and Tremaine Edmonds. Yes. And I watched some highlights on Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds a while ago. So, because I'm in a group chat with a lot of Chargers fans, and I dropped a picture of his stats. And a lot of people didn't know who he was at first. And now he's obviously coming to the light now. So who do you think is the better linebacker, Raekwon Smith or Tremaine Edmonds? I, I, I think it's Smith. I, I, I just think that, man, he, he's a ball hawk. I mean, as big as he is, as big as he's built, um, he's still very athletic. <clears throat> and he has a very, excuse me, a very high, it seems a very high football IQ, and he's everywhere. He just, he knows where the football is going. He knows where it's going to be. Um, it, it really looks like he does his film study, and, and he's really committed to the game of football. Um, some of the stuff that, that you've seen from him, whether it be the college football playoffs or just the regular season gauntlet that those teams have to go go through in that conference, um that he's just everywhere. I think he's a little more battle tested. And if I'm taking my chance on a kid, I, I would take my chance on, on Smith. Yeah. I'm leaning towards Smith too, because I raved about Smith all season, especially during the playoffs. I mean, he's a three down back, three down linebacker. And as we're talking, Utah is up seven seventy one to 46. Wow. Are you serious? That's what I just saw on my TV screen, at least. I think I'm a little blown away. I have to, I have to double check <laughs> to make sure. Seventy-one to forty-six. You're right. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> well, that, well, that's a wrap. Yep. Bye, bye, Paul George. <laughs> Man, that's a lot of money for Westbrook to to come up with that. Two hundred plus million this. dollars. I don't know how I feel about this one. I feel like they gave this game away. He's uh he's gonna be a lot closer to Allen Iverson when he gets done than, than Kobe Bryant or any yeah. of the other legends. He's gonna be a lot closer to that Allen Iverson. Fashion diva couldn't win. Exactly. That's actually I think that's AI favorite player, I think. Right probably now. not. Probably maybe in beat a bit. Yeah. yeah. In Philly, but yeah, no, he Russell gonna be a little biased towards it. Well, well, Russell, Russell is—I've always said I thought he was the modern-day combination of Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant. Um, but he's getting, like I said, he's gonna get that same—not a good teammate like Iverson, the same couldn't win regardless of the talent uh, like Iverson. I mean, it's just I, you know, Russell had the potential to now ten years into the league start building the, the positive legacy as a veteran, being an MVP, now getting talent, maybe being able to make a run um, for something, for anything. And uh, it, that just wasn't the case. And, and now probably Paul George walking out the door. Melo probably won't be there much longer. You're just going to have a list of names by the end of his career where you say, Russell never won a championship. And look at the guys he played with. James Harden, Hall of Famer probably. Uh, Kevin Durant, Hall of Famer most likely. Mellow Hall of Famer, most likely. I mean, <laughs> definitely first ballot. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be crazy. I mean, this is this is a big legacy hit for him. Man, this just shattered my whole prediction. <laughs> I picked the Thunder to win the series in, in six too. So, man, but yeah, everybody knows I'm a diehard Mellow fan. <laughs> Everybody knows. The listeners that. already know. Everybody. That's crazy. 
And I'm looking at it now, seven points, 33%. Westbrook has 12. Paul George has 13. And Donovan, well, Jay Crowder has 23. Yeah, you can't let uh, a team's fifth best player um, drop that many points on you. Exactly. That's crazy. But, look, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the conversation that we had because I've been needing a much-needed conversation about basketball, football, <laughs> and what's been going I on. It. I really appreciate you having me on, man. I, man, I love I love talking sports with anything. That's the beautiful thing about sports. Absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's, a uni- it's a universal language. And uh, anytime. Absolutely. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. This is humble beginnings. This is just the beginning. This is humble beginnings. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. What you mean? This is just the beginning. We get it. This is humble beginnings. I used to live in poverty, that's why the trap was calling me. Police pull me over and they bother me. Only way to make it hit the lick or win the lottery. We've been down for too long, I think it's just time to climb the tree. I've been grinding, trying to make a way, I'm trying to climb the chimney. Santa Claus never came, these hoes were acting grimy. Now they be gigging, now they be gigging. I know niggas on the corner. I know people up in college working hard for their diploma. I'm just here, I'm riding rap while smoking marijuana Doing what I wanna, I'm just trying to get these Pull up on me when you see me, nigga You can get it Pull up on me when you see me, nigga I swear to God Pull up on me when you see me, nigga do it Pull up on me when you see me, nigga Cause this is just the beginning, ayy Now this is humble beginnings This is humble beginnings, nigga now this is just the beginning I got no patience, I'm out here chasing this payment Mama working on the daily, I'm wondering how I'm gonna make it I'm just trying to fuck that bitch that they told me I couldn't slide I'm just trying to get that whip that they told me I couldn't drive First these niggas gotta kill me, then they gotta kill my pride Cause it's something that is sad, lately I've been on my grind I know bitches, they be wasting my time These niggas wasting my time Fuck what you gon' say about me, I'm just trying to get mine Hope my niggas eating right, hope my niggas see the light I've been trying to pray to God, trying to pray to Jesus Christ Hope my niggas do not catch these cases I hope all my niggas make it All I worry about on a daily basis, nigga Oh, God bless a trap, nigga Oh, God bless a trap, nigga Oh, God bless a trap, nigga Lost the money, now I gotta get it back, nigga Lost the money, now I gotta get it back, nigga Lost the money, now I gotta get it back, nigga My niggas got the weed lean in the crack, nigga Oh, God bless a trap, nigga God bless a trap, nigga God bless a trap, nigga I was out of grinding, now I had to get it back, nigga I was out of grinding, what's the nigga with the strap, nigga I'm out here, I'm trying to get it back, nigga